0: You're listening to Biceps After Babies Radio, episode 307. Hello and welcome to Biceps After Babies Radio, a podcast for ladies who know that fitness is about so much more than pounds lost or PRs. It's about feeling confident in your skin and empowered in your life. Hey, hey, hey. Welcome back to another episode of Biceps After Babies Radio. I'm your host, Amber Brzezinski. And today we are talking about a very important topic, the four phases of macro counting. Now, listen, when a lot of people hear about macro counting, all they think about is weight loss and going into a deficit and cutting and losing fat and it, one of the things that really drives me nuts is that in a lot of circles, macro counting has become synonymous with weight loss. And it's one of my missions to be able to teach and remind people that macro counting is simply a tool. And it's a tool that can be used in a lot of different ways. And one of those ways, yes, is weight loss, is fat loss. And it's very effective for being able to help you to lose fat. But That is not the only thing that macro counting can do, nor is it the phase that everybody should start with. So the purpose of this episode is to really help you to understand the the four phases of macro counting, what happens in each of those phases, and how to start to figure out which of the phases you should start in. So let's dive in. All right. So coming back to this concept of macro counting being a tool. Again, I, I always bristle when people collapse macro counting with weight loss as if the only reason one person would count macros would to be to lose weight. Now, I totally get why people do this. It is because oftentimes the reason that people find macro counting is because of a weight loss goal or because they want to lose fat and macro counting is awesome for that because it allows you to be able to create a caloric deficit which is necessary for you to your body to be able to release fat while also not forcing you to cut out food groups or to restrict yourself or to not eat sugar or not eat carbs and so it's a beautiful way to find a balance and moderation to be able to hit your fit your you know physical goals that you want to hit in terms of of weight loss while also being able to find moderation with food, not have a, a terrible relationship with food where you, you know, deem food bad or you can't eat this food. And so, it's it is awesome for that, it's awesome for weight loss. And honestly, it's how most people find macro counting, but. That isn't the only thing that you can do with macro counting, nor should it be the thing that you're doing most of the time. And we're going to talk about that a little later when we start talking about the phases. That cutting, where most people, again, think synonymous with macro counting, they think cutting is not actually the only thing that you can or should be doing with macro counting. So I always love to approach and teach about macro counting from the standpoint of it being a tool Tools can be used for lots of different things. The analogy that I often use is the tool of a hammer. And yes, a hammer can be used to bang in a nail, it can be used to build a house. It can also be turned around and used to take that nail out. It can also be used to tear down something. And so the tool itself is doesn't really do anything. It's, it's just a hammer. It, it lays there. <laughs> ready to be used in multiple different ways. But what really matters is what the person who picks up the hammer is doing with that hammer. They can tear something down, they can build something, they can hammer in a nail, they can pull out a nail. There's probably even more things that you could do with a hammer, but the the tool itself doesn't actually do anything. And that's exactly what it is like with macro counting, is that macro counting isn't, isn't only used for one thing. Macro counting is just paying attention to the different macronutrients that you're eating. It's paying attention to how many carbs, how many fat, how many protein that you're eating, and then being able to manipulate those numbers to be able to get whatever result it is that you're wanting to achieve. And a lot of people get really, you know, held up with macro counting being really rigid and really strict of I see people all the time when they have their macro count their macro numbers set for them that they become really strict and rigid in having to hit those numbers. But I I really like to loosen the the reins on what is macro counting. Macrocounting isn't hitting your numbers. Macrocounting is being aware of how many carbs, fat, and protein you are consuming, and then figuring out how to manipulate those numbers to align them with whatever goals you're trying to achieve. That's what counting is, and your goal that you're trying to achieve could be fat loss. It could also be trying to maintain your weight. It could also be trying to put on muscle. It could also be trying to improve your performance. And the cool thing about macro counting is I've been able to use the tool in each of those different scenarios. I've gone through a period of fat loss and use macro counting to lose fat. I've gone through a period of trying to intentionally gain muscle, going through a hypertrophy period, and I use macro counting to be able to support that goal. There was a period of time when I was really focused on performance back in my powerlifting days when I was really trying to get as strong as possible, and I use macro counting to be able to support that goal. So macro counting just really means how can I align my nutrition to be able to support Whatever physical goal, whatever I'm requiring of my body, what do I want my body to be able to do and how can I use nutrition because we know that's such a huge piece to be able to support that goal. And that's where macro counting comes into play. I actually shared a reel recently about how I'm starting to count macros again, because I don't count macros all the time. I think that's really important for people listening to know. I don't count macros every day of my life, and I actually don't want my clients to do that either. I think macro counting, again, is a tool that can be used for a period of time to be able to learn more about food, to be able to learn more about portion sizes, to be able to learn more about nutrition and how to align your nutrition with the goals that you want to achieve. but. I don't think that someone should have to count macros every day of their life for the rest of their life. I think it's a tool you use for a specific period of time, for a specific purpose, and then that teaches you how to find that moderation all the other times. So most of the time, I'm not tracking macros unless I'm trying to hit a really specific goal. I'm just using what I learned during those periods of time when I did count macros to be able to support me just living my my life. But recently I started tracking again. And the reason is, is because I started a new hypertrophy training block, meaning I'm I'm focusing on my training really building muscle. And I know that nutrition is such a big part of being able to build muscle. And so because I wanted to make sure I was giving myself the best chance to be able to gain as much muscle during this hypertrophy period as possible, I started counting macros again, not to eat less, but actually to make sure I was eating enough, and also to make sure that I was eating and consuming enough protein to be able to support my goal of building muscle. So again, macro counting is not just about weight loss. It's about your nutrition supporting whatever physical goal you're trying to achieve. Now, when most people get into macro counting, they are actually unaware that there are different phases that they can and should be cycling through while using macro counting. Most people, when they find macro counting, they're very familiar with one phase, and that's the cutting phase. That's the creation of a caloric deficit, eating less food than you are using per day with the goal of losing fat. And what most people do when they come and use macro counting is that's the only phase that they are familiar with, and so that's the phase that they just stay in for way too long. And so what it looks like for them is they're in a cut and then they're still in a cut and then weeks later they're still in a cut and then months later they're still in a cut and 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 that's all that they know and i totally get why that is most people are coming from a background of cycling through diets and you know you're either on a diet or you're like way off a diet. That's the cycle that most of us are familiar with. And so people bring that diet or mindset into macro counting and they are in a cut and they're focused and they're in the cut and then they're way off the cut. And then they buckle back down and they focus and they're in the cut and then they're way off the cut. And it's simply you're bringing that experience, that diet or mindset that you've had that's been instilled in you throughout your life, you're bringing that diet or mindset into macro counting. And that mindset Well, it doesn't really work, and it really doesn't work in macro counting because there are other phases that you can and should be cycling through. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. Because in reality, while what it looks like for most women is cut, 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 way off a cut, 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 in reality, it should look much more like cycles where you're going through a period of cutting and then reversing and then maintaining and then maybe doing a subsequent cut and then doing some more time at maintenance and then maybe even going into a bulk. And if those four terms that I just used don't make any sense to you or you don't know what the heck I'm talking about, keep listening because that's what I'm going to discuss in this episode. Okay, but before we dive into more specifics, if you are at the beginning of your macro counting journey, I highly, highly recommend downloading my free macro counting starter kit. This is a kit that I've created to be able to get you started on the right foot with macro counting, focused on the right things, and not overwhelmed with all of the things that a lot of people will tell you to focus on. So I highly recommend going to bicepsafterbabies.com forward slash starter kit and go get that free starter kit to get you on the right track as you start this journey. All right, so what are the four phases of macro counting? Now, it's really important to recognize that regardless of whether you are tracking or not, you're always in one of these phases, okay? So it doesn't matter if you're tracking macros or not. You are either in a cut, at maintenance, or in a surplus, Always. So when we're counting macros, we're just now aware of the phase in which we're in, and we're trying to be more intentional. But even if you're not intentional, even if you're not aware, you are always in one of these phases. You're always either in a cut or a deficit, meaning you're eating less calories per day than you're burning, or you're at maintenance, which means you're eating the same number of calories that you're burning, or you're in a surplus, which means you're eating more calories per day than you're burning. So one of those three has to be is is always happening. And the cool thing about macro counting is that now we can be aware of it and we can be intentional about it because a lot of people are going through their lives and they're unintentionally in a cut or a maintenance or a surplus. A lot of times it's in a surplus and they're unintentional about it and they feel out of control. They feel like they don't have any control over how their body responds and understanding the phases and understanding where you're at and being more intentional about it can help you to regain some of that control. So before we talk about the four phases, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk broadly about all of the phases, then we're going to go in depth with each of the four phases. It's really, really important to understand a term called your total daily energy expenditure. You'll also see this abbreviated as your TDEE. And your TDEE is the amount of calories per day that your body is expending. Now, what is a calorie? A calorie is a unit of energy. Many of us are familiar with calories because we see them on nutrition labels. But if we back up just a little bit, a calorie is just a unit of energy. And our body uses energy every single day. And where does that energy come from? It has to come from somewhere. It comes from the food that we eat. So we eat food. It gives our body calories, which we're able to use as energy and we're able to go through our daily life, we're able to walk down the street, we're able to continue having our heartbeat, we're continue, we're able to, um, you know, get up and down and and climb up ladders and move our bodies. All of those things require energy from our body. And that energy comes from the food that we eat. So our total daily energy expenditure is just a, a unit of calories of how many calories our body is burning each day. Some of those calories are used for your exercise. So if you're going to the gym, obviously you need energy to be able to do that, but a lot of those calories are just used to keep your heart pumping and to keep your lungs expanding all day, every day, Uh, and a lot of those calories are used for to digest your food, and a lot of those calories are used for all the metabolic processes that are going on inside of your cells all the time. So, those all—all all of those amount of calories that are being used all day long, when we're exercising, when we're walking, um, when we're just sitting down and breathing—all of those energies add up to a total daily energy expenditure, and that's going to be different for every single person. So, your energy expenditure is not going to be the same as my energy expenditure. Now, some of the things that impact your total daily energy expenditure are things like your height and your weight. And the amount of lean body mass that you have. So the more muscle mass you have on your body frame, the more metabolically active, well, uh, muscle tissue is more metabolically active than many other tissues. And so the more muscle you have on your frame, the more calories you're going to expend on a day. It also depends on your gender. It also depends on uh, how how many calories you eat in a day. The more calories you eat, actually, the more calories you burn because our body actually has to use calories to digest our food. Also, hormones play a role in how many calories you burn and uh, your age somewhat plays a role. Although I always like to dispel the myth that the older you are, the less calories that you burn because age in and of itself doesn't change how many calories you burn. But what tends to happen is that the older you get, the more muscle mass you lose. And since muscle is so metabolically active, the less muscle mass that you have on your body, the less calories you burn. So it is not inevitable that the the older you get, the less calories you burn, but that is often what happens, especially if we're not focusing on weight training and making sure we're maintaining and or building more muscle mass as we age, which is one of the reasons that lifting weights, especially for- for females is one of the best things that you can do for your long-term health as you age. Okay, so that's your total daily energy expenditure and everybody has a different TEE. Now, how do we figure out what that is? Well, the shortcut or the the shortcut that a lot of people like to take is through equations. Now, scientists have done models with lots of different people and they've kind of tried to reverse engineer a, an equation from a sample size of people. They've, they've looked at a bunch of people, how many, how many calories they're expending, and they've tried to reverse engineer some equations that allow us to be able to estimate our TDE. Now, that's a great place to start. And so you can find these equations online. You can find lots of calculators online that have you put in your height and your weight and your, your gender and can, po- can populate and give you an estimated TDEE. Now, Listen up. This is so important and something way too few people understand. When a calculator pops out your TDEE, it is not your TDEE. It is your estimated TDEE. And that is very, very different from your actual TDE. It may be more, it may be less, it may be spot on, but it is not set in stone. And so many people I see putting their numbers into calculators and then having their TDE pop back at out at them, they look at it as like gospel truth. Like this is how many calories I'm burning per day. And then they get in their head because they say, this calculator says I'm burning 1800 calories a day. I'm only eating 1200 calories and I'm not seeing any fat loss. What gives? Like, What's the problem? Again, anything that a calculator ever pops out at you is only an estimated TDEE, And we need to understand what your TDE is. Now, how do we do that? Well, there are uh, you know scientific measurements that people can do that we've that we can get you know fairly close to someone's TDE, but it requires a lot of equipment. It requires a research laboratory that I don't think any of us have access to to be able to do this kind of measurement, to be able to get a, a more accurate TDE. So instead, the best way to figure out your TDE is to actually get feedback from your body and see how your body responds to different caloric intakes. That's going to be much more accurate in figuring out how many calories you're actually burning rather than just how many estimated calories you are burning in a day. Okay, so once we understand our total daily energy expenditure, right, the number of calories that you're burning per day, and we're really clear that just because it popped out of a calculator doesn't mean that that's your TDE. It just means it's an estimated TDE. It's a good place to start, but it's not the gospel truth, right? We're all clear on that. Okay, once we understand TDE, then we can talk about the four phases because the four phases are always in relation to your total daily energy expenditure. So the four phases, if you didn't catch them before, are cutting, reverse diet, maintenance, and a surplus slash bulk. And I'll talk about, there's a little bit of nuance and difference in what a surplus plus or a bulk is. So we'll we'll get into that uh, a little bit deeper when we start talking about bulking. But those are the four phases, cutting, reversing, or reverse diet, uh, maintenance, and a surplus slash bulk. So... We're going to start with talking about what a cut is. This is probably the one that people are most familiar with, but it's it's the one that we're going to start with. So, a cut is when you eat less calories than you burn. Right? So, you know what your total daily energy expenditure is or you at least have an estimate and you're attempting to eat less fat less calories than that in order to promote fat loss. Now, if you're listening and you're hearing me talk a whole lot about calories and not a lot about specific macros, and you're like, what's, what's the deal, Amber? Like, why is macro counting so important? You're talking a whole lot about calories. You're absolutely right. And there is also a reason why counting macros is more helpful than just counting calories. And I go extensively into that topic in episode 143 why you should count macros instead of calories. So I'm going to be talking a lot about calories. And if you want some clarification about, okay, well, why are you talking so much about calories? and yet you're telling me to count macros, episode 143 is going to be for you, and we'll link that up in the show notes for this episode. So a cut is where we create a caloric deficit. It means we are eating less calories than we are burning. The goal or the purpose of why somebody would go into a cut is typically that they are their goal is to lose fat. Now, the mistake that a lot of people make is they say, oh, I want to lose fat, So that means I should start with a cut. And that's not always actually the best phase for people to start in. We're going to talk about some of the other phases and how to know maybe if you should be starting, even if you do want to lose fat, if maybe you should be starting in a a different phase than just a cut. But a lot of people automatically assume, oh, I want to lose fat. That means that I should start with a cut and it's not, it's not always the first phase that you should start with. But um, you know, if, if you say, I want to lose weight, it's really easy just to say, oh, I should start with a cut. Now, the most successful women, and I've worked with thousands and thousands of women over the years, the most successful women who go into a cut are the ones who do so proactively and not reactively. Okay, so what, what does that mean? When, well, I will say most women, and you may have some experience of this in the past, even before you found macro counting, most women become very reactive when it comes to their nutrition and it comes to dieting. And let me walk you through a very common scenario, and you can start to see the reactivity in how this decision is made. This may look like you step on the scale and you look at the scale, and you're like, oh my gosh, I've gained five pounds. I can't even believe it. I don't know what happened. Uh, I'm going to start a diet today, and then you like you know start it, start your diet, or it looks like you're you know trying to put on your favorite pants and they are a little tight, and you're like, that's it, I'm going on a diet, or you're looking through pictures from your vacation and you look at yourself and you're like, oh my gosh, that is that what I look like? I'm starting a diet. Diet starts today. Okay? See how that is is very reactive. It's very reactive, like something happens and then your reaction to that, your emotional reaction to that is, I got I to I start a diet. <laughs> it's like frantic, it's like reactionary and it isn't usually super successful, if I'm being honest. So the difference for women who are more successful is that they are very proactive with when they start a cut. A cut is something that is planned for the most successful women it's something that they've planned on they have a start date and they have an end date this is a huge mistake that a lot of people make when they start a cut is they start an open-ended cut with no end date and i always say you should have an end date not an end wait for your cut A lot of women go in and they say, I'll I'll finish my cut when I hit my goal weight. That is backwards. That is not going to be the most successful way for you to approach this this process. Instead, I really recommend my clients set an end date for their cut. And so if you're being proactive about this, you are are setting a start date and it's usually not, I'm going to start today it has there's a start date on the calendar so that you can plan ahead you can prepare and you can get ready for it and there's an end date on the calendar you you've set your cut period of time and you know most likely you're going to stick to that cut period of time okay so i don't want you just saying oh my gosh i got to start this today or oh my gosh <laughs> i got to start this next monday okay so women who are successful they pick a start date and it's not usually tomorrow and it's not usually next monday They are intentional about looking at their calendar and they're intentional about picking a good time to start to get themselves ready, to have a period of time when maybe they can minimize the number of impactful things that are happening. So a lot of times I'll have clients look at the calendar and think, hey, when would be the best place to fit a cut? When do I have the least amount of trips? When do I have the least amount of you know events that are happening, holidays that are happening? And that's not to say that you can't cut during the holidays or you can't cut if you have a vacation or a trip. Not saying that. But looking at your calendar and trying to find a period of time that's going to be the most successful is going to be really, really helpful for you. An intentional time where you're cutting. Also, people who are most successful with a cut are choosing to make it a priority. Now, we all have lots of priorities in our lives. We have lots of things going on. And I'm always really clear with my clients that not everything can always be a priority. And so, if you are choosing to make your nutrition a priority for a period of time, that may mean something else needs to, you need to be willing to let it go. And maybe that's, you know, you need to be willing to let go of the house being as clean or, you know, making dinner every night or um, watching, you know, TV in the evening. I'm not saying that these are things that you have to let go of. I'm simply saying we all have, you know, a, a plate and we can allot our attention and our priorities to only a finite amount of things. And if you're choosing to take a period of time and focus more on your nutrition and make that a priority, it may mean that you need to let go of something else to be able to create the space for that. And women who are successful are willing to do that. They're saying, hey, I'm making this a priority for this period of time and I'm willing to maybe sacrifice some other things in order to avert some of my attention towards this goal that I have. Women who are successful as with a cut make the process as enjoyable and as fun as possible. The, you know, now there may be hard times. There may be moments that are challenging. Like that is part of stretching yourself. That is part of growth. That is also part of the "quote unquote" fun of a cut. Is is pushing yourself. Um, but women who are successful, they recognize that it might be hard, but that they are choosing to do this, and that is why being proactive and not reactive is so important because when we are reactive it's it, it feels like we're being forced into it like i have to do like i look terrible in these pictures so i have to do a cut and it, it like takes your element of choice out of it when you can be proactive and you can schedule it and you can say hey i'm i'm diverting attention towards this for this period of time that's a choice it's a choice that you're making and you can always make a new choice Just because you made one choice doesn't mean you have to keep going with that choice, but it's a choice. And so you can step back when it's hard or when there's challenges and say, I'm choosing this and I could choose something different at any point in time, but I am choosing it. And that's a really powerful place to be when you're in a deficit. The most successful women also do what they can to set themselves up for success. And this is why you're not just starting a cut on a whim, you're not just like saying, oh, I'm going to start a cut today or next Monday, but you're actually intentional about setting a time frame for that cut because they're doing what they can to set themselves up for success. They're meal planning, they're grocery shopping, they're learning to track first before trying to be in a deficit. They've spent time at maintenance. That's another thing that successful women do is they've tracked at maintenance first, figured out their tracking app, figured out how to do recipes, figured out how to weigh food at a maintenance level first before trying to go into a deficit. So if you can check these boxes and you're somebody who has fat that you're wanting to lose, perhaps a cut is the first phase that you should start with. We'll talk more about some other exceptions in some of the later phases. But if you're wanting to start with a cut and you're wanting to set your macros for a deficit, it's so, so important to first figure out roughly what your maintenance is. Now you can pop that into a calculator, of course, but again, remember, that's only going to give you an estimated TDE, not your actual TDE. And let me tell you, a lot of women, especially those who have been in cycles of dieting for years and years and years, often what a calculator pops out is not going to be your actual TDE because your metabolism has adapted over the years. So what's a much better way of figuring out roughly where your maintenance is currently right now today with your body is to figure out how much food you've been eating in the past and how your body's been responding. If you've been maintaining your weight for the last several months, one of the best things that you can do is to simply take a week and just eat normally, just eat like you've eaten the last several months and see roughly how many calories you're eating because that is going to be a much better estimate of your maintenance because you've been maintaining on about that number of calories. So I always recommend, and if you've downloaded my free guide to set your macros, which if you're wanting to set your own macros, I highly recommend my free guide. You can go to bicepsafterbabies.com forward slash set my macros, all one word. And I have a free guide that walks you through the steps of setting your macros. But if you've downloaded that guide, you know the very first thing that I tell you to do is to take seven days and track your normal intake. And that is because that is gonna be a much better estimate of your total daily energy expenditure right now, today, currently in your current body, Then any calculator is going to be able to be for you. And then once you figure that out, now we can create a 15 to 20% deficit from whatever you've been maintaining on, and that is going to put you into a cut. Now, the mistake a lot of people make is they only pop this into a calculator and then they look at their calories and they're like way off. You know, maybe they've been eating 2,700 calories and they pop it into a, cal- a calculator and the calculator's like, oh, you should be eating 1,400 calories. And now they're trying to go from 2,700 calories to 1,400 calories and they're wondering what's wrong with them because they're struggling so much. Well, friend, like what's wrong with you is you're doing a drastic caloric deficit from what you used to be eating. But if you didn't actually take the time to track that, if you didn't actually take the time to gather that information about what you've been eating in the past, you may create way too large of a deficit or you may not be creating enough of a deficit. And that's why spending at least a week tracking your normal intake is so vital to being able to get your numbers right during a cut. All right. So let's go to the opposite end of the spectrum. If a cut is when you are creating a caloric deficit, a bulk or a surplus is when you are creating a caloric surplus. You're eating more calories per day than you're actually burning. Now, why the heck would someone ever want to do that intentionally? Well, the reason is, and the goal behind a bulk, is to build muscle, in order to build muscle, in order to create muscle tissue, in order to create more muscle fibers, your body has to put energy and calories into that process. And so when you give your body extra calories, it allows it to have those ex- put those extra calories to use in being able to build muscle. Now, here's the key. And I said this before, but I really want to make this clear. A caloric surplus has some overlap with a bulk but they are not the same things. And let me explain more what I mean. A caloric surplus simply means you're eating more calories than you are burning. Now, if you're in a caloric surplus and you're not doing any weight training, you're either sedentary or you're just doing a whole bunch of cardio, but you're still in a caloric surplus... Your body is going to use; it's going to have extra calories laying around, and what it's going to do is it's going to be, to save those calories for later by creating fat. Like fat becomes our storage for later. It's like I don't need these calories right now; I'm going to put them in as fat, and then I can be able to use them later if I need that. And so, a caloric surplus, if you're not lifting weights if you're sedentary, or if you're doing a bunch of cardio. like It's really important for my cardio bunnies to hear this because people wonder why they gain weight doing cardio. Um, I've shared this story before, but I was my heaviest, um, well, my heaviest before having children when I ran my marathon. And that is because I was, cardio makes you more hungry oftentimes, and I was eating more calories and I was eating more calories than my body needed and I didn't give it any... I wasn't doing any weightlifting at the time, and so my body just sorted as fat. So that's what a surplus is. Now, a bulk is just slightly different. It is a caloric surplus. So the same thing, I'm eating more calories than I'm burning, but a bulk specifically is done in tandem with lifting weights. And not just lifting weights, but actually implementing progressive overload, actually having intelligent programming at the gym. So what I mean by this is a ton of women don't really understand that you can't just pick up a dumbbell and have it give you muscle. That there is a specific way that you need to have your programming created to be able to Like essentially communicate to your body, I want to build muscle. And that process is called progressive overload. And if you don't know what progressive overload is, or you're not sure if what you're doing in the gym is actually helping you to build muscle, then I highly recommend my free class. I have a free class called Five Vital Ingredients Your Workouts Must Include to Lose Fat and Gain Muscle. It's about an hour-long free class. It'll walk you through what progressive overload, what other elements need to be included in your workouts to make them effective. Because I see way too many women, way too many women, wasting time at the gym doing workouts that they think, oh, this is going to get me the results that I want. And in fact, they're just wasting time because those workouts aren't actually driving the results that they want. So, if you want to watch that free class, it's an on demand class, meaning you can pick what time you want to watch it. And you just go to bicepsafterbabies.com forward slash workshop and you can sign up to watch that class. So, a bulk is specifically a caloric surplus done in conjunction with the stimulus of weightlifting um, in order to optimize for building muscle. Now, who needs to go into a bulk? so I don't recommend um, you know just everybody going into a bulk, and the reason is is because when you get started with weightlifting as a as a newbie, we call these newbie gains. When you just start with weightlifting, uh, you're going to gain muscle at a very fast rate, a much faster rate than you will gain it later on. So we we call them newbie gains that usually lasts about six months to a year where your rate of like, it's like your body over responds. It's like, you give it any sort of stimulus any sort of training and your body's going to say, "Oh, cool. We're we're in this. Like we're building muscle." And for those people who are in those that newbie gain period of time, you don't really necessarily need to be in a caloric surplus in order to gain muscle. And so I highly recommend people who are newer to weightlifting or maybe you're not newer to weightlifting but you're newer to progressive overload, you're newer to actually effective weightlifting, um, use those first 6 To twelve months, and you don't necessarily have to be in a caloric surplus. Your body's going to respond; it's going to put on muscle, and that's going to be really awesome and really exciting. Your weight, your weights are going to go up in the gym much faster. You're going to see a lot of progress. You're going to see those muscles start to build. You don't necessarily have to be in a caloric surplus for that to happen. After that, I usually like to have people um, at least out of maintenance. So, I I guess I should say during that period of time, uh, if you're wanting to optimize for muscle growth, I would recommend being in a maintenance. Uh, phase. Um, That's going to help support the muscle growth, but you don't necessarily need to be in a, a bulk. Now, for my friends who are more advanced with weightlifting or have been doing it for longer, there comes a point where your body is not going to continue to respond or continue to respond as quickly unless you go into a caloric surplus. So you know if you think about it like a graph where the first part of the graph the rise is really steep and then the longer you lift weights the more that graph starts to kind of plateau out and the and the harder it is honestly to put on more muscle And so at that point, that's when I really recommend people who have kind of plateaued. They've kind of put on the amount of muscle that their body is willing to do at a, at a maintenance level and they're wanting to continue to push that. Those are the types of people who I would recommend going into a bulk. I have a whole episode on bulking. So you can go and listen to episode 94. I talk about when I went through my bulk and I talk about the process of bulking, but I make the recommendation there that I really recommend not going into a bulk until you feel like you have, um, you know, had a period of time at maintenance, and you really have been able to maintain your weight. And one of the reasons is is because bulking can be really mentally challenging for a lot of women. It can be just hard mentally to go into a caloric surplus to intentionally eat more food. That that runs counter to a lot of things that a lot of us have been told for most of our lives. And so, there's a lot of mental challenges that that come with a bulk, but it can be super awesome for being able to really improve your strength, really improve the amount of muscle that you have on your body. And a bulk was one of the best things that I did for my body to really help it to be able to respond and put on muscle. Okay. So we just talked about the two uh, extremes, right? So we have the cut, which is a caloric deficit. We have a bulk, which is the caloric surplus plus weightlifting, right? We got to have the weightlifting piece in there. If we want to actually have a bulk and not just gain a bunch of fat, we want to give our body something to do with those calories. So what's in the middle? Well, that's maintenance. Maintenance is where you're eating the same number of calories that you are burning. And I would say maintenance is probably the most underrated of all of the four phases, but- it's actually the phase that you should spend the majority of your life at. The majority of your life should be spent maintaining, simply eating as many calories as you are burning. And that maintenance, you know may be injected with a cut, you know, a six to eight week cut here, and maybe you do a, a bulk uh, later on in the year for you know six months. but then you're going back to maintenance in between all of those, and that's where you're spending the majority of your life. If I'm being honest, I really, really, really wish that more women started at the space. I wish more women started at maintenance. And I get it why, why they don't. Um, they find macro counting. They're really excited. They want to lose weight. They have this goal. They go into a deficit. But that, that feels like the fastest way to be able to get the results that they want. And most people, like, it's not sexy to be at maintenance, There aren't people out there who are like, yes, you know what I want? I totally want to maintain where I'm at right now. Especially for people who want to lose, you know, 20, 30, 40, 70 pounds. That like this idea of staying put intentionally at this weight, at this body, right now, on purpose, feels wild. It feels crazy. But it is one of the best things that you can do if you are really focused on long-term success. And let me tell you why. One of the biggest cycles that I see so many women get stuck in is going through the cycle of losing and regaining. That yo-yo diet cycle. And some of you who are listening can raise your hand and say, yeah, that's me, right? You lose the 20 pounds and then you regain 25. And then you lose you know 30 pounds and you regain 40. And you've gone through that cycle multiple, multiple times where you're losing and then regaining and even regaining more weight. Let me tell you, like this is, I don't have to tell you if you're listening and you know that, that's a defeating cycle. It it, it, It is a hit to your psyche. It is a hit to your mental health of feeling that like, oh, I'm awesome. I'm doing amazing. Look at like all the praise that I'm getting and then having it cycle the other way and feeling terrible about yourself and feeling like you you lost it and you're such a loser and now everybody is like seeing that you regain the weight and making opinions about you and i mean it's like yo-yoing is a terrible terrible cycle and if you've been in it you know exactly what i'm talking about and so oftentimes i like to think about yo-yoing like swinging from one extreme to another so it's almost like a pendulum It's like you have this pendulum that just like swinging back and forth and back and forth. And oftentimes we think that the solution to that pendulum is just to like push harder. Like if I just do better this time, if I just push that pendulum further to the other side, somehow that's going to like counteract and I'm never gonna swing back. But just like you know how gravity works and a pendulum works, if you push a pendulum even further to the side, it's only gonna rebound even harder to the other side. And that's what's happening with a lot of women. And so what's actually the solution? If I'm trying to like find the happy medium with this pendulum, what do I need to do? I need to stop swinging to extreme to extreme. And I just need to like gently (laughs) find the middle ground, right? Stop the swing. And that is what maintenance is. And so I know that a lot of people are like, I can't imagine Amber maintaining at this weight that I'm at right now. I totally get it. But the, the opposite of like what may happen if you don't spend time here intentionally maintaining is that you'll continue swinging back and forth. And yeah, you may lose some weight. You may lose 30 pounds. But just like has happened in the past, you also may regain 40 pounds. If you don't figure this out, if you don't figure out how to be in the middle, and that's the problem is most people have not figured out how to be in the middle. They're really comfortable at extremes. They're really comfortable on a, on a diet and they're really comfortable off a diet and they have never been able to find that middle ground. And that's what, that's what um, maintenance is, is the middle ground. It's intentionally maintaining where you're at right now. I know it's hard. I know it's mentally challenging, but it can be one of the best things that you can do. And I have a lot of episodes about maintenance and a lot of um, clients that I brought on to talk about maintenance. So if that's something that you want some help working through, or you want to hear some people's experience, I highly recommend going back and searching the archives um, with the bird maintenance, and you're going to find some really awesome stories that'll help to boo you up and help you to realize why maintenance is such an important phase. I also think if more women started at maintenance and at least tracking at maintenance and figuring out what their maintenance is, they wouldn't be so extreme going into a cut and they would be more successful. Because I see a lot of people give up on macro counting because it's too hard. It's like they're 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 trying to go too low with their calories or they're trying to eat too, way too much protein. And if we can figure out your starting point of like what you've been doing easily up until this point, then we can make minor tweaks that don't feel challenging to change, but can start you moving in the right direction and start giving you some momentum. So I really, really highly recommend one, spending a lot of time at maintenance and two, starting at maintenance. I think it's such a, a beautiful place to start. Now, where does maintenance kind of fit into the cycles that we go through? Uh, maintenance can and should be uh, after every single cut. Now, Many cuts, you're going to want to go through, well, I I should say at least your first cut, you're definitely going to want to go through a reverse diet. We're going to talk about that next. So if that's a foreign concept to you, we'll talk about that. After your first cut, you're definitely going to want to go through a reverse diet. That's going to help you to be able to really zero in on how much you can eat and continue to maintain, be able to push that metabolism as high as we're able to get it and be able to have a really solid footing for what your maintenance is. So that reverse diet is really important, especially on that first cut. Now, for subsequent cuts, and I get this question a lot for subsequent cuts, do I have to go through a reverse diet or can I just hop back up to maintenance? And my answer for that is it depends on the length of the cut. The longer the cut is, the more likely you are going to need to go back through a reverse diet. And I'm talking about, um, oftentimes, this is more in reference to people who are trying to get like stage lean. So they're doing like a 16 or a 20 week cut and they're trying to lose, you know, they're trying to get down to, 12% 12% body fat, you're definitely gonna want to go through a reverse if that's the case. But I find for many women who I'm working with who are just doing more of a lifestyle, you know, cut, they're not trying to get uber, uber, uber lean, that if you're just doing, you know, a six, eight-week cut and it's your and you've cut before and you've spent time at maintenance, that you don't necessarily have to go through a reverse diet, that you can just hop back up to maintenance and you'll be totally fine making sure that you're maintaining you're you're spending that time in maintenance. The other question I get a lot is, how long should I be spending at maintenance um, in between cuts? Because, oh, I should have talked about this during the cutting phase, but um, ideally, how long does your cut last? I usually recommend like six to eight weeks for most women is going to be a really good length of time for cutting. Now, can you extend that a little bit longer? Can you extend that to 12 weeks, 16 weeks, um, even maybe 20 weeks? Yes, you can, although just recognize the longer that process is, the harder it is to maintain momentum, the harder it is to keep your mind straight, the harder it is to keep going, the more likely you are to have diet fatigue. So all of these things, factors need to kind of be weighed with how long your cut is going to be. A lot of times we think, oh, the longer the cut is, the better, the more results I'll see. But it's almost like two graphs that intersect at some point. And if if your cut becomes too long... Actually, usually, compliance starts to fall off. we have more um, diet fatigue we like struggle to keep going like mentally it's just hard It's harder to run a marathon than it is to run a sprint, and a twenty week cut is much more like a marathon than a six week sprint is and so um I take that into consideration when you're setting the time frame for your cut. That I usually recommend, like six to eight weeks, is actually a really good time for a lot of people. Now, if you have more weight to lose, maybe you're extending that to a you know ten week or a twelve week cut, maybe a sixteen week cut. There are very few people that I would ever recommend a twenty week cut, but that's kind of the max that I would ever. Recommend anybody you know do. Um, It's just it just gets really hard to continue to do it. It's it's like running a marathon, and I find that most most people are much more are able to stay in it and 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 finish it successfully if it's a shorter period of time, and then you are spending at least as much time at maintenance as you did in a deficit. So if you had a six. We cut, then I would expect you to spend at least six weeks at maintenance. If you did a twelve-week cut, I would expect you to spend at least twelve weeks at maintenance in between your cuts. Now, I talk more about the cycles of weight loss and how to cycle through cutting and reversing and maintaining in episode seventy-six. So, if you're wanting to hear more about how to kind of cycle through those different phases and set up um, a cut, then period of time at maintenance and then a subsequent cut, and why that's really valuable to do rather than just going. Setting an end weight and trying to cut, you know, as long as it takes to be able to get there. Episode seventy six is going to be a really good listen for you. Now, for my friends, because it's always a question, it's like, well, Amber, I've been cutting for like forty years. <laughs> so, if that's the case, I really recommend at least a two to three month maintenance. You don't have to maintain for forty years before going into another deficit, uh, but I recommend at least a two to three, and that's conservative. Like, if I really am being honest. If you can spend six months at a maintenance before going into another deficit, that's gonna really benefit your mental game. It's really gonna benefit your body. It's really gonna benefit your metabolism. And your body's gonna be more responsive having spent time in maintenance. One of the reasons that people's bodies kind of stop responding to what they think should be a caloric deficit is that your body just hasn't spent enough time at maintenance. Like every time you go into a deficit, you're stressing your body. And so when we can come up to a maintenance, we can reduce that amount of stress, it's like the body can recalibrate, find that new homeostasis, it's going to be much more likely to respond in the future when you go into a deficit. Okay, the last of the four phases is a reverse diet, and this is a concept that blows people's minds. And in order to understand why you would ever do a reverse diet or what a reverse diet is, we have to understand the concept of metabolic adaptation. Earlier in the episode, I made the off-handed remark that our body, the more calories we eat, the more calories we burn. And this also happens in reverse, meaning the less calories you eat, the less calories you burn. And it makes sense why our body does this. It allows it's it's allowing our bodies to adapt to whatever life is going to throw at us. So, evolutionarily, when times were were hard and we weren't able to eat as much calories, it made sense for our body to be able to downregulate things, to be able to be as efficient as possible and use the least amount of calories as possible to be able to keep us alive as long as possible until we were able to get to our next food. And so this idea of metabolic adaptation is something that evolutionarily has been an advantage to us to be able to not starve in the first seven days that we had reduced amounts of food because our, our metabolism actually can downregulate, we can become more efficient, and we can burn less calories. And so this happens um, when, especially when people... Have been in a dieting phase or been on lots of diets or have consistently been trying to be in a diet for a long time. Our bodies actually downregulate, our metabolism downregulates, and you actually burn less calories. So let me give you some hard, like, numbers to kind of just explain this concept. Let's pretend that your body, um, your metabolism burns 2,000 calories, but you go into a really, you know, uh, you, <laughs> You do like a really severe diet and you're like, I'm just gonna eat a thousand calories because that's gonna like produce me the best and fastest results. Well, your body sees that you're now eating a thousand calories and you've been burning two thousand calories. And that's a big red flag because we can't maintain that for a long time. We're gonna starve. And so, what our body does is it says, okay, we gotta become more efficient. We gotta burn less calories. And this happens, yes, with your body being more efficient, but it also happens with like, you slowing your body down you become more tired you don't move as much during the day you have less energy during your workout so you burn less calories it's it's like a whole series of events that happens so you used to be burning 2000 calories and then your body down regulates and now you're burning you know 1500 calories and you're continuing to eat 1000 calories and you were seeing some weight loss and you were super excited so your body's like at 15 and now it's like oh gosh we got we still got to like downregulate regulate even more, and then your body is burning twelve hundred, and your weight loss is slowing down. And you're like, "Man, I'm only eating a thousand calories. Why am I not seeing more progress?" And then eventually, your body's only burning a thousand calories, and now you're stuck because you're burning a thousand calories, you're eating a thousand calories. You're like, "What the heck is happening? I'm only eating a thousand calories." Like, why am I not seeing any results? Well, it's because your metabolism is now your TDE, your total daily energy expenditure. I don't care what the equation says. You are now burning the same amount of calories you are eating in a day, and you are not going to lose any more fat. So, ah, what do we do now? This is a problem, right? Because what do you want me to eat? 800 calories and then 600 and then like zero calories? That is not, let me be clear, that is not the solution to this problem. The solution to this problem is what we call reverse dieting. And just like your metabolism downregulated, just like your metabolism adapt downward, it can do the opposite in the opposite direction. If you start to eat more calories, your body will actually burn more calories. Now, we got to be careful with this because if we just jump and we're eating a 1,000 calories and our body is burning a 1,000 calories, and we just jump back up to 2,000 calories, now you've created a 1,000 calorie surplus, your body is ripe and ready to put on as much fat as possible and to convert as many of those surplus calories into body fat. And so just jumping back up, which by the way is what often happens when people finish diets, is they... They just jump from a thousand calories to eating what they used to eat before and then they regain all the weight. Like that's what happens. So Instead of just jumping up, what we do with the reverse diet is we're really strategic about it, and we slowly add calories. We titrate the calories in, and then we see how our body responds to that little addition of calories, and then we add a little bit more calories, and then we add a little bit more calories, and then we add a little bit more calories. And And over time, what we're able to do is coax our metabolism back up to be able to burn more calories. And so eventually, we're able to get back up to 2,000 calories. We're able to burn 2,000 calories, and now when we create a caloric deficit, not at 1,000, but Maybe we cut down to you know, 1,600. Now we're able to have that caloric deficit that allows us to be able to see the fat loss that we want. So that's what reverse dieting is. You'll hear it called reversing. Uh, I have a bunch of episodes on reverse dieting, how you walk through that process. Episode 9, 42, and 170 are good resources if you want to learn more about reverse dieting. But the reverse diet phase should follow a cutting phase specifically the first cut that you ever do, right? I kind of made that point. If you go into a cut, we definitely want to have a reverse out of that so we can find a really good, period for maintenance a really good place for maintenance a place for you to maintain long term and then you can go into a subsequent cut and if that subsequent cut is 6 8 weeks we can we can kind of skip the reverse phase we can go just jump back up to maintenance but reversing is really important especially during after that first cut because one you probably don't have a good sense of where your um, uh, maintenance really is and two a lot of times People are able to eat more calories than they think that they can eat. And so, one of the cool things about a reverse diet is you're really starting to like push your body and see how many calories can I eat and still maintain? And a lot of times, people blow their brains, like being able to eat way more calories than they ever thought was possible. That's why a reverse diet is like one of my favorite things to be able to coach people through. Now, there are some people who they should be starting with a reverse diet. And the biggest red flag, one, well, I guess there's really two big red flags. A big red flag is if you've been dieting for a long time. If you've been a cereal dieter, a yo-yo dieter, all you know is like being on a diet and off a diet, my guess is that you probably should start with a reverse diet, not a cut, a reverse diet to get up to maintenance. Um, The second red flag is if you're plugging in your calories into a calculator and the number that it's popping out at you to be in a deficit is more than you're currently eating. So you pop it into a calculator and this calculator is like, oh, you should be eating 1,700 calories to lose weight. And you're like, girlfriend, I'm eating 1,100 calories. That is a huge red flag. It's a big old red flag that you probably need to start with a reverse diet before you go into a cut, before you like focus on maintenance. Like, we need to start you with a reverse. You start where you're at, start at that 1,100 calories, and start to work your way up so that we can upregulate your metabolism, get you going, and be able to create a caloric deficit without having to drop you to, you know, 500 calories. Okay. So those are the four phases of macro counting, a cut, a reverse diet, maintenance, and a bulk. And hopefully at this point, you feel a little bit more confident about the different, the different phases, why you would be in that phase, when you should be in that phase, and the purpose behind cycling through all of the different phases. Remember you're always in one of these phases, whether or not you're paying attention to it. So macro counting, we're just being intentional about, hey, this is the phase that I'm in. This is what I'm doing. And you know, this is the reason behind it. Phew. That was a little bit of a longer episode, but it's been one that I've wanted to do for a long time because I think not enough people understand that macro counting can be used for so much more than just weight loss. And that Macro counting is not just about cutting. It's not just about a caloric deficit. One of the best things I ever did for my body was do a bulk and be able to intentionally gain more muscle and improve my performance by eating more food. So that that was I did that with macro counting. It wasn't about eating less. It was actually about intentionally eating more. It was actually about you know getting myself to eat more food and more calories. So macro counting can be used in a lot of different ways. And it's really important to understand these four phases so that you can cycle through them appropriately. And if you want help in being able to figure out which phase you should be in, how to cycle through these phases, how to set your macros, how to adjust them based off of the feedback of your body, that's exactly what we do inside of Macros 101. That is my signature coaching program. So if you are not on the wait list, I highly recommend hopping on. Those are the people who uh, we let know first. They get first dibs on the next round of Macros 101. You can go to bicepsafterbabies.com forward slash wait list to get on that wait list. All right, guys, if this was helpful, will you do me a favor and will you share it? Will you share it to your social media and tag me and let me know something that you learned in this episode? The more that we can get the word out that macro counting is not just about cutting, it's not just about fat loss, but it's actually a tool to be able to align your nutrition with the goals that you have set for your body, the better. That wraps up this episode of Biceps After Babies Radio. I'm Amber. Now go on and be strong, because remember, my friend, you can do anything. Thank you for being here and listening to Biceps After Babies Radio.